But if you're expecting their profits to grow, um, you know, this PE is right now roughly about 10 times, which is really, really cheap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Really, really cheap. Really, okay. really cheap. Disclaimer, this is not financial advice. Everything is purely for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. <laughs> Okay, welcome to another episode of Stock Geek Out. Today we have a good friend Willie here with us. Uh, but more importantly, question is which company are we gonna tackle? So today we're gonna tackle a company that actually, if you actually think about it, pretty much rules the world. In fact, one chip to rule them all. Okay, I think you guys should know what that company <laughs> is. A nice one, man. It kind of, uh, I would say, permeates into every single thing that most of us use on a daily basis. That company is. TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. So yes, I think before we jump into the company, maybe Willie, you can do a little bit of our introduction of yourself and what do you do so that the listeners can understand. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Max, for introducing me. Um, you know, I write a financial blog called Dividend Titan. So my focus is really on dividend stocks. Um, I write about Singapore, Hong Kong, and even the US as well. Um, you know, anything which falls under my radar. Um, for me, I've personally been invested for more, more than 10 years now. So nice. I look at these three markets, uh, but, but of course, I think dividend has always been at the heart of where I invest, really, because I kind of like that um, instant income or instant mm. cash flow into my bank account. Yeah, so that's really about me. Okay, so actually, that's actually a good jumping off point, let, let, which I'm going to just jump off right now. So even though your focus is on dividends, mm. so how did the focus <laughs> to TSMC suddenly come about? Okay, let, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very good question, yeah. Max. Um, so TSMC, right, they have been around, you know, since 1987 yes. and they have been actually paying dividends, you know, over the last 20, close to about 30 years, actually, yeah. um, ever since they started out. So they are considered some sort of a dividend company, but okay. many people don't really consider them, them as a dividend yeah. payer. Exactly. It's really because of the yield is actually much lower. Yes. Um, and largely because number one, you know, their share price have actually, you know, soared so much yeah. um, over the past, you know, say 15 years. But if you see how they have actually grown their dividends, um, that, you know, these guys are really a compounder in, in terms of income, not really about the share price. Okay, yeah. got it. Thanks. Yeah, because I was very curious because most times when we think of dividends for most of us, I mean, this is a local podcast Singapore, we think of like SGX companies, <laughs> yeah. right? And I, of course, I know you're also very, very well versed with the F, uh, SGX scene. So that's why I thought, okay, TSMC is actually quite interesting of a pick for you. Okay, mm. so I think I'll give a heads up to the listeners first. Today's episode is something I am extremely excited for, as you can see from my face, <laughs> because most companies, when I do the interview, I pretty much know a bit about the company. But for TSMC, I'll just be upfront. I tried reading it. I tried understanding. I kept falling asleep when I tried to deep dive <laughs> the company. So that's why today I'm excited because at least I don't need to read. I just listen. Mm. And I'm going to be pretending to act knowledgeable by throwing out some big words like, oh, ASML, the supply chain, everything. But mm. we'll go deeper into understanding. So maybe just start from a like 50,000 foot view. We all know TSMC makes chips that pretty much the whole uses. Uh, but what exactly is TSMC? You know, just mm. from a like 50,000 foot point of view. Yeah, I mean, for them, they are considered a chip maker. Yeah. Um, chip maker meaning that they make all the little, you know what I call transistors, which actually is found in your smartphones, yes. your computers, your yeah. electronic devices. So yes. this is the most common thing. If you see, there are a lot like your semiconductor or your semi-wafer chips, mm. the greenish thing, which you actually see if you actually pry open up your smartphone. So that's actually what they do. But, you know, for TSMC, they do like chips, which can't be seen um, with your eye. Because yeah. if you think about it, the size of the chip 
it's actually much smaller than the diameter of your hair strand. So smaller meaning, you know, it can be 50,000 times smaller yeah. than the diameter of what you have if you pluck your hair out from your head. Yeah. And that's what they've been making. So, so that, that was what I was actually, I was watching a few YouTube videos in preparation for this to try and be well prepared. And yes, that's what I saw, right? Apparently, TSMC is the only chip maker in the world who can go down to that level of precision or that level of small, minute detail in the chip. Is that true? Just want to check. Like, yeah, I mean, okay. for this guy, so for TSMC, right? Yeah. When they started out, um, I think in 1980s, okay. um, the founder of Morris, his Mor name is called Maurice Chang, Maurice Chang, right? Chang, right? Yeah. So he sort of saw back then that there were a lot of chip makers and these chip makers were also the same electronic companies back then. So if you are talking about th people like your IBM, your Samsung, mm. of those good old days, um, they actually focus on also making chips on top of selling their own electronic devices. But what he realized was that these guys find it very hard to compete because chip making is actually a very expensive process. You know, you have to spend billions of dollars to set up a plan. Mm. And he knew that for chips, right, in order to really innovate in terms of their technology, they really have to go deep into making or to squeeze as much information as possible okay. in a really single unit of space. So Maurice Chang, the founder of TSMC, decided that, hey, you know, I'm going to just do away with designing, say, your computers, your laptops in the 80s and the 90s, and I'll just focus on just making the best chip as I can. Okay. Right, and this is what um, people call foundries or fabrication facilities. Oh, mm. okay, okay. Yeah, I, I kept hearing the word foundry being thrown out when I was watching the videos, but I have no idea what that <laughs> means. Okay, so that's where it sits in the supply chain. And okay, I just to give a quick teaser for the listeners, we will talk a little bit about the founder, which I really want to go a bit deeper into later. Uh, his name is called Maurice Chen. Apparently, this guy, in my opinion, is a pretty badass. So I think like he started TSMC when he was like close to retirement age or something like this, right? And yeah. when most people is like, you know, he he came from I think like the MNC background. He understands the industry most people at like their 50s 60s you're going to retire and that's when he started tsmc so yep. we'll talk about him a bit later but let's jump a bit more maybe from a angle of for the listeners right where does tsmc sit in the supply chain so roughly at least they can understand so they produce chips so are they the starting point of everything or mm. like from tsmc what's next before it hits the actual smartphones or the devices if you can walk us through that, that yeah layer. sure sure yeah. so like in the whole semiconductor space, right? When people talk about semiconductors, uh, you know, they typically think about computers, they think about wafer chips, right? Mm. And the thing is, right, in the whole value chain, you basically have about five different big segments in semiconductor. Okay. So number one, you have your foundries, which is where TSMC sits in, okay. or your fabrication facilities. So that's where you only make the chips, right? Mm. And then... That's the first one. The second one is your processors, right? So you're talking about your CPU and your mm -hmm. mobile processors. Okay. So this also requires a separate group of manufacturers or companies making them. So you have um, people, like say like um, Microsoft, Apple, yep. who makes all these computers. So they're the ones who actually piece all these processors up. Okay. So they are also considered part of the supply chain. Okay. So that's two, right? The third one is your GPU processors, your graphic processing unit. Okay. Right? So those are the ones which sort of powers up when you play computer games. Got it. So that's your NVIDIA's of the world. Correct. Okay. Your, your NVIDIA, your AMD, okay. for example. Yep. So those are the ones which powers, you know, your artificial intelligence, your mm. so-called so machine learning. Mm. So those requires like very intensive graphics. Mm. Um, and that's the third part of, you know, the whole semiconductor 
um, value chain. Okay. Then of course you have your manufacturing equipment services. So um, these are your manufacturers which design the equipment to make all these little chips. You know, so say for example TSMC, right? They make chips, but they also need the equipments to make all this chip, and they they outsource it to different vendors. Okay. So say for example a ASML. Okay. So they are the ones which does all this. Um, you know things like photolithography where they sort of print all the different hardware or they encode some of this hardware onto these huge equipment devices and sell it to these chip makers. Okay, so just to clarify, by the time the actual part gets to ASML, it's really way above from the foundry level already, right? Mm. It has went through several layers of the other parts of the supply chain. Is that true? Mm. Okay, cool. Understood. Understood. And sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt you. The last, the last yeah, part. So you have the foundries, foundries. you have the GPUs, yep. uh, you have the equipment manufacturing yeah. services, yep. and of course, you have your memory chips. Mm. So your microns, which does what you call your SRAMs, your DRAMs, okay. the ones which sort of pause up when you know you turn on the power of the computer, um, that sort of helps to kickstart the computer. What you call your RAM, um, random access memory. Okay. So that's what the RAMs. You know, okay. companies like Microns they, they actually do it. So you have all these guys okay. all coming in, serving different parts of the value chain. So the semiconductor space is actually pretty big. Okay. Um, when people think about semiconductor, they always think about chips. But don't forget, you know, if you break it down, yes, there are different companies which does different things as part of the whole value chain. Interesting. Well, I love it. Thanks for going so deep, which means that to clarify, even though a lot of people just let the term semicon industry roll off their tongue, <laughs> actually deep within, the starting point is the foundry level. That is the part where you mentioned all that, like the hair strand level of minutia. <laughs> like that's where the, 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 the information gets compressed into that, that small little tiny chip. Is that yeah. how it begins? Okay, fantastic. Okay, so let's maybe jump into a bit of the numbers for the listeners. Then. Okay, so now that we know roughly where TSMC stands and what it does, I'll just be upfront. Just now as you we were saying some stuff, I was nodding, but actually it just flew past my head as well. But oh, oh yeah, dear. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Because I'm not the most educated in this space, right? So, okay. uh, but hopefully that, I think as we go in deeper in the numbers, I can probably backtrack into a little bit of the other players in supply chain, which I will go into because um, one question I want to ask more later on is about the, the vertical integration. Is there a, a rationale that some of these players don't come and do it themselves and stuff like that? So we'll go into that later, but mm -hmm. let's go talk about the, the financial. So yeah, roughly what's the numbers? What's the growth like? What's the margins like? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me just yeah. pluck the numbers sure, out from my no phone. Problem, <laughs> no problem, no problem. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I mean, you see yeah. the revenues, right, yeah. for TSMC. I mean, they have been doing about $2 trillion mm. of revenue. Mm. I think that's over the last 12 months. Mm. Um, they've been doing, you know, gross profit margins about 50 to 60%. Yes, the gross so, profit margin is amazing. So it's okay. phenomenal, right? I mean, okay. Max, you, you know that semiconductor is a highly yeah. competitive industry. It is. Highly fragmented. And yeah. to talk about 50 to 60% gross profit margin, it's yeah. really unheard of, you know, compared yeah. to all its other peers. Yeah. Right, so that's where it stands in terms of the numbers. Also, um, what I look at is what I call the ROE, the return on equity. Mm. So that's something which I tend to pay attention to. And surprisingly, right, for TSMC, you know, they have roughly about 20% of ROE okay. um, over the last 15 to 20 years. I mean, if you talk about the numbers, this, these numbers might not make sense, but return on equity means that you know for every dollar I put in as a as a shareholder, yeah. I actually get back some form of returns, right? Mm. And the higher the returns, the better for me. So it's a lot like a rocket fuel in that sense for ROE for any companies. Yep. And I want the, the number to be as high as possible. Typically, um average companies 
in the US, for example, yep. it's roughly about 10 to 15%. Yep, 10 to 15, yes. But TSMC, you know, you are getting about 20%. So for every dollar okay. you put in, you get back 20 cents as a shareholder. And it's stable across the years because, you know, some, some companies, the ROEs tend to fluctuate. Yeah, right? that's it's, the thing. It's stable, yeah. Okay, so I, I think that's going to be <laughs> deeper for them. Uh. 15%, 60% gross margins is already like, okay, oh my goodness. Uh, let's talk a bit <laughs> oh about my goodness, operating yeah, margin. So operating margin, you recall, right? Or for the users, or uh, for the listeners, it's actually about 40-ish percent. Am I right? Like operating margin. Okay, here's my question. That is like the operating margin for a, a tech company or a software company yeah. that's, that, that whose main cost, like uh, cost of goods sold or cost of service is just like the, the data center and everything. But TSMC has factories <laughs> and stuff. How do they get these kinds of sick margins of 40%? It's like a operating margin of like a, 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 a meta. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how, how, how is that doable? I mean, if you compare to like the FANG stocks, yes. right, you see all these guys, they are doing software. Yeah. And softwares typically don't need a lot of capex, yeah. right? They don't yeah. need to put in money. Yeah. But yet they generate a lot of you know huge margin business. But on the other hand, like what you said, manufacturing companies, right, like semiconductor companies, they have to actually invest a lot in you know factories, properties, yes. equipments, and, and all that. And this costs money. Yeah. But why is it that TSMC can actually produce this almost the same amount of profit margin as all these tech companies yeah. which you have mentioned, right? Yeah. And really the reason why is because for TSMC, they are the only player right now which can make very, very small nanochips. So nanometer chips mm. means that it's one million, nanometers is one million of a millimeter, mm. right? Mm. And no other semiconductor companies are able to actually make that kind of size of chips. So say for example, TSMC's next closest competitor mm. is Intel. Okay. Right, and Intel does roughly about right now they do about seven nanometer to ten nanometer, so just a bit of the numbers here, um, which is considered small. But TSMC can go even smaller to go between two nanometers and five nanometers. Okay, and why why they do this is because these days you know Max use yeah. a smartphone, right? Yeah, smartphones require very very small chips, okay. and smartphone players like Apple are willing to pay a good price okay. for all these small chips. Because of you know competition, you know this 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 huge you know Apple, Samsung, these yeah. guys they're competing to make very very good very lean smartphones for consumers. So the smaller it is, the more you can compress into that smaller space, the better it is, right? Yeah, okay. and the funny thing is that you know as as people talk about what you call Moose Law, right? Yeah, technology gets cheaper yes. and cheaper over the years. Yes, but TSMC goes the other way. Because as they make small, smaller and smaller chips, they are the only players which can squeeze a huge amount of data in that small little transistor and no one else can do it. Okay. And they can take this technology, right? And they can walk up to Apple and knock on Apple's door and say, hey, I'm the only guy who can make the chips for your smartphones. Okay. And these smartphones are, you know, your, your very, very expensive premium smartphones. And I'm the only player who can do that. No one else can do it. So, so are you saying that actually the margins come about because of their pricing power? Exactly. Okay. And this pricing power, what goes behind the pricing power is that they are the only players who can do that. Okay. And why they can do it for TSMC is because they are the only foundries or fabrication companies which only focus on making chips. That's it. So they don't even bother about designing, say for example, okay. you know, the huge chip which you see or the huge circuit board which you see in Apple phones. They, yes. They, they don't even design it. They're this closest competitor, you know, like Intel and Samsung. Yeah. They have their own um, fabrication facilities like TSMC, but at the same time, Samsung and Intel also design their own electronic devices, their own electronic products. So 
the capital which Samsung and Intel has is split between mm, making chips mm, and making their mm, own electronic devices mm. compared to TSMC where they only make chips. Okay, so it's just a pure pure play. You know, exactly. You call it a pure yeah. play kind of thing. <laughs> Understood. I love it. it. That is very, very detailed. So uh, I'm just going to go off tangent a little bit here then. Go ahead, Why man. not these players come and try and eat TSMC's lunch then? I mean, these are also well-funded, capitalized players. They are not like a nobody in the industry. Why not just also like, yeah, so TSMC is focusing there. Why not let's also focus and try and actually reduce the size of the chips to be more competitive? I mean, I'm thinking simple <laughs> here, but yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a very good point, Max. And I mean, for me, you know, when I write my own blog, I yeah. always talk about, you know, focusing, you know, on just one thing. Like for me, you know, I write about stocks. Yeah. I don't really write about other things like gold, silver, okay. or commodities, okay. right? TSMC also adopts that same principle where they only focus on one thing. Whereas for other players, you know, they, they have a more diversified business segments, right? Mm. You know, they do just chips. No, they don't just do chips. They do um, what you call your electronic devices. They can do it. But it's very difficult for big conglomerates, you know, like 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 Intel and Samsung to shift, you know, yeah. to just say, okay, guys, I'm not going to sell any more Samsung phones. I'm just going to focus yes. on making chips. Okay. And it's very difficult to do it. Number one is the inertia. Number two, you know, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop making um, consumer electronics today and I just focus on making the smallest chips and I compete with TSMC because you still need time to set up, you know, your factories, yep. you set up the belts, hire, you know, experts, you know, um, um, technical expertise and need time to do your research and development. So TSMC is what, what I call, you know, they are sort of forcing the curve mm. to move faster than everyone else mm. and because they are, they are always one step ahead of everyone else, it's very difficult for other players to sort of catch up. That's why, you know, if you see like the Chinese players, um, you know, things like SMIC, for example, they try to build, you know, very small uh, nano nanometer chips as well. They want to compete, but they, they find it very difficult. They, they find it's a huge struggle because, number one, you know, they, they may they may have capital. I mean, China, you know, you, it's it's one of the, in, in terms of the banks, you know, they're yeah. one of the biggest banks. They can provide financing, mm. but even though they can do it, you know, even though you have the capital, but you still need time to do your research and development okay. for making all these small chips. So it takes time. And a lot of companies, they're not willing to just give up what they have today, you know, just to make chips and compete with TSMC. Okay, so what I'm getting is actually structurally and in the DNA of the company, inherent there's an advantage there already due to their focus since day one, which affects the DNA and the culture of the company in terms of what they focus on, right? Exactly. Yeah, this is very similar to, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure whether you've read this book, you know, like this professor from, I think, was it Harvard? His name is called Clayton Christensen. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. He wrote this book about why a lot of companies always get disrupted even though they are large conglomerates. I love it. I, I, I forgot what's the book's name already, but I yeah. love I, I think it's because of the concept it's like a lot of small companies end up disrupting because the nature of the large company lends itself to having multiple business units because they have cash cows they need to milk and they can't just suddenly stop milking that cash cow whereas the new disruptive company can just come in and focus on that one thing so so that is really this at play yeah and I always believe okay. in the power of one right like yeah. they, they, they just focus on just one thing okay. and they do it really really well okay so is focus really the main strength for their standout price margin, whatever, or is there also some innovative secret sauce behind it? Like, is it Maurice Chang? Is it some sort of uh, R&D, I don't know, power that they don't share or something like that? It's just one, one thing to understand. I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. work in TSMC, so, <laughs> so, so, so I'm not yeah. too sure about okay. what intellectual property they have, okay. but, you know, as an investor, you see from the numbers, you know, 
what what they have in terms of their technology. Okay. It's sort of reflective in the numbers itself because the okay. the numbers sort of show you know how 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 strong or like what Warren Buffett likes to call the economic moat okay. of the company. It shows the strength of what they have, and you can see through the numbers, right? Okay. I mean, if you can see how their ROE is like, their margins are like, okay. it's, re- it's reflective of the intellectual property which they have, right? I mean, it's not going to be a secret if I would know all this. Of, of course. <laughs> so, so you're saying their next closest competitor is actually Intel, is it? Do you say Intel? Just now, mm. So it's Intel, yeah. The next closest competitor, which also does um, fabrications yeah, do. of this. Yeah. Um, um, at the foundry chips, level, at yeah. the foundry level, is um, Intel and mm. Samsung and Samsung. Okay, but both of these, you know, they are sort of very far away from the competition. So what do I mean by this? TSMC takes up at least half of the market share of making mm. you know small nanometer chips, and the, the other half of the market share is dominated by you know Samsung and Intel. Don't forget, you know, Intel is also a customer of TSMC. Okay, how how does that work? Yeah, so. Intel because they also make their own processors and they need also very small chips. Mm, but okay. because they cannot do it, that's why they outsource it to TSMC. Okay. Interesting. So they actually have dual roles in the supply chain for Intel as well. Exactly. Whereas TSMC really is just supplying these, these things. Yeah. And okay. on top of that, if you see, so that's that's the market share of the small meter chips. Now, if we go even deeper, you know, into even smaller nanometer chips, which I'm talking about your two to five nanometer. TSMC takes up more than 90% of the market share. So virtually no one is, you know, playing in that space. 90% of the market yeah, share. Yeah, you can say they basically dominate the entire market. These two nanometer chips are used for what kinds of devices so that I can roughly put things into context? Like mm. what were they used yeah, for? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. as simple as your smartphones, your smartphones right? Okay. So when, okay. you know, as... A lot of these consumer electronic makers, right, like your yeah. Apple, for example, yeah. they, when they want to come up with new iPhones, yeah. they want to come up with uh, sharper camera features, for example, okay. or they want to come up with like foldable phones, right? Yeah. You need to have very, very small chips in order to complement the aesthetics yes. or the physical hardware of Yes, because the, the, the smaller it is, the more room they have for the design element exactly. and to maneuver the, the user interface, whatever. Okay, so I just want to ask one question then based off what you just shared. Based off all these margins and everything that they have, why can't another, like a country like China, you know, like I think it's in the news, TSMC, China, US, why can't these countries go create their own version of a TSMC? Mm, yeah. This is a very good question. Yeah. Um, you see, from where TSMC started, right, 1987, yeah. it took them you know, roughly about 20 to 25 years just to achieve to where they are today. Yeah. So time is one factor. And the, the other one, like, like I've mentioned earlier, Max, is the amount of technical expertise which mm. they have. Right. If you can see that China has always been uh, trying to compete with TSMC because they also want to have that sort of independence. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at how the US-China tension with the whole political standpoint, yeah. China knows that they have to, at some point, build their own chips, their, their own facilities. Yeah. But the problem here is that you know, they cannot find people. Right. They, they, they do not have that kind of expertise okay. to, to hire people. They, they have to actually go overseas to get all these experts to come in. China so can't like, find people. Yeah, you can't what find. surprising. Okay. So okay. that's why, you know, some of the, the, the chip makers at the forefront of technology is, is still in the US. Okay. It's still in Taiwan. China tries to get all these people in. You know, they pay good money okay. to get them onshore to actually build all this. But again, you know, it takes a while to hire these guys. Okay. Number two, it takes time as well. 
Okay. Again, you know, it all boils back down to you know how fast you are in the whole grand scheme of things. You know, how far are you ahead in terms of the curve in this whole industry, right? Specifically for just building or making nanometer chips, very small chips. You know, it's more of a really a winner takes all kind of approach mm. where you 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 really want to be the first mm. to do this because when you are the first. No one else can compete with you. And for me, I personally feel that that's what China is struggling to do so. So if you see, you know, like one of their biggest uh, chip makers, SMIC. So they try to do small chips, but they can't. They are stuck at around the 7 to 10 nanometer chip okay. level. Is that the foundry level? So these guys, is it also a pure play? This yes. SMIC. So Correct. they are pure play. They're not like your Intel, Samsung of the world. They are pure mm. play, but yet they cannot go down to that granular level of TSMC. No, they can't. And... I mean, I've always scratched my head yeah. uh, and asked myself, why can't it do it? Yeah. And the thing is, you know, sometimes it really takes time on the ground to actually develop all this technology, to actually mm. put in time and effort to actually build all this research and development capabilities. So mm. I think that's something which, you know, from the top, it's, it's very easy to actually criticize, you know, why can't you just do it the next day? But on yeah, the yeah, ground yeah. level, right, you know, <laughs> if you are running the business, you will feel that there's a lot of pain yes. um, going through, you know, trying to create your own um, yeah. intellectual property to do your research and design. It takes time, but a lot of people, they don't realize that. Well, they actually, the, thing, the reason I'm laughing is because, yeah, that's always what we happens to us when we put on the investor cap, right? Hey, why can't this company just eat <laughs> this, this other company's lunch tomorrow? I mean, yeah, but in the real world, dude, it takes time to go build the team, to go hunt the talent or whatsoever and all the technology. Okay, fantastic. So uh, I want to go into something that's of more personal interest to me since I'm the host today, <laughs> uh, Maurice Chang. So of course, I know you are, actually, you are very, very well depth uh, in red, uh, really, really read well about TSMC, but about Maurice Chang, are you able to talk a little bit about about his background, a bit about his roots and how he started TSMC because I think that's a pretty cool story for the listeners. Yeah, yeah um, I think I'll just try to recall it from memory. Sure, um, sure. So Maurice Chang actually was already in the whole semiconductor space. Yeah, he's, 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 he's born and bred in the actual industry itself, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think he, was he in IBM or Texas? I'm not yes. too sure, but he's in one of the big US companies before and he realized that all these chip makers, right, they have a lot of trouble to make very small chips because back then, you know, in those days when most laws started getting more and more popular, he realized that these companies cannot actually go into very granular level. You know, they're they are, they are not able to actually go deep into making very small chips. And the reason why is because uh, back in those days, right, you have all these companies which makes both design and manufacture both their technology and they also make all these chips. And he realized that this is not the way to go because for him as an expert, he saw what other people did not see. And that is purely making chips such that, you know, he can actually allocate all his time, his effort and his money to just build that chips. But back in the 80s and the 90s, there wasn't really anyone doing it. Okay. So he decided that, hey, okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. You know, I, I think he was like 50, in his 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah. And he decided to just, you know, quit and go back to Taiwan to set up his plant because that was yeah. where his roots from. Yes. And he set up the plant and that's where TSMC was. From my recollection, right, I, I think when they got started in 1987, they only make like two losses in the entire, you know, time when they are around you know, from 1987 to today, they only had two losses. Yeah. And it shows how successful um, Maurice Chang is. And what I really love about him is not so much about him bringing his technical expertise, right? Like what you mentioned earlier, Max, he's, you know, he's already well into his 70s or 80s, I yes, think. Yes, exactly. This guy's a badass. For someone who, con who who is willing to continue in his 70s or 80s, really shows that he has a lot of passion for chips. And that was what I got. And yeah. it was really inspiring for me because me as an analyst, um, starting off my career as an analyst, when I talk to, you know, managers and CEOs, right? Yeah. What really stood out for me was managers or founders 
who had that passion to run businesses. And you can tell, even though at a certain age, you know, they are still running the business, they're still really pretty much involved in the business. And Maurice Chang strikes out to me as one of those people. Yeah, so I think in investing, we call it like uh, soul in the game, like, which is a, a phrase for founders like this, where it's really not just about the money. And this guy, oh. he's really in his retirement age already and he could really just yeah. go enjoy oh, life gosh. and then like play golf forever. And then you right. start a freaking company at 60. Right. When, when most people are about to you know, like to wind down their final yeah. life stage. Yeah. I mean, who wants to be walking yeah. into an office and then still talking about chips in their 70s when yeah. they could just be playing with their grandkids or yeah. playing golf somewhere, right? And, and how old is he today roughly are you aware just curious I don't know yeah. I think he's roughly about 70s or I don't know in his 70s or 80s I mean okay. this is this is an age where you don't even probably you probably don't even want to uh, start no I don't think he's that right? young because he started it when he was like close to 60 or something right yeah yeah so it's, it's, and he's 1980 something right you were mentioning yeah, so he's probably like close to 80s maybe maybe close to 90s okay, I don't know he's so much energy just curious okay thanks for sharing yeah, so I just wanted the listeners to understand about this guy's background because that's what I saw in uh, kind of like a short YouTube clip about this guy's background okay so let's go in a bit to the, the competitive landscape right now so um, I think first of all I want to talk about something that's very interesting as of now Nancy's trip today <laughs> right yeah so and of course this whole thing is tied into one company that rules them all yeah you can't talk T about T tsmc yeah you can't talk about yeah. politics you, you can't yeah. talk about tsmc without talking about yeah. politics so, right? so i can share the listeners honestly i have wanted to steer this podcast as much as i can away from politics so uh can you share maybe just a quick five minute background about where tsmc is today in the political backdrop and why is it so damn influential right the chips act and all these trips overseas and everything and then china giving a warning that you better not set foot but nancy still goes in yeah, yeah. so what's the whole thing about yeah that? so the thing about tsmc is that there's always a struggle there as in as as an investor so you know just to put it out as a disclaimer i own tsmc shares and i always struggle myself right because this is one of the few companies where if i read the annual reports of tsmc i have no choice but to also understand what goes behind the geopolitical issues of this manufacturing company. The reason is actually very simple because uh, if you see TSMC, right, a lot of what they produce today actually is being sold to the US. Yes. And like we have mentioned earlier, right, it's very difficult for US companies like Intel to actually compete with TSMC. So they need, they are highly dependent on TSMC's technology. Mm. But what they're afraid here is that China, because Taiwan is considered part of the greater China, yes. right? What happened is that the US is obviously afraid that China can say, look, I'm just going to physically condone the entire Taiwanese yeah. island and I'm not going to just, I'm just going to stop, you know, exports of TSMC mm. uh, products to your country. And that's going to kill a lot of businesses there. Yeah. Right? So we're not just talking about Apple or Intel, we're talking yeah. about companies like Qualcomm, yes. Broadcom, other yes. big semiconductor uh, players in the US yeah. and as a result of this you know there's always that fear over there at one point right I remember um, I think some time back the US was encouraging TSMC to actually build their plants in the US because yes. they also want to physically have all these chip makers uh, yeah. TSMC chips being produced in the US I believe that's what's happening right I think TSMC is building like a, a local US presence in, in the US yeah, yeah but this is still on the cards right okay. now you know there's really nothing certain like even if they do I don't think that it will be a huge production mm. because um, at the end of the day, most of the production still falls in Taiwan, Taiwan itself. Yeah, And you know, I'm not surprised that TSMC would also have um, production facilities in China because of the cost. Mm. So that's really the struggle you know, between US, China, Taiwan mm. and TSMC. 
And you, you can't really get away with it because if you look at where the share price is, a lot of why the shares have actually fallen is really because of all these geopolitical tensions, these geopolitical issues. I mean, if you see like what you said, Nancy Pelosi, you know, when she visited Taiwan, um, you can see how jittery the market was. Uh, you can see how TSMC, you know, traded, right? Everyone was scared and, you know, there was a huge sell-off. I believe what? TSMC fell from 100 over dollars. Mm. It's ADR. Now it's about 60 over dollars, right? And it's, it's always that fear which is baked in into the stock price itself. So politics is definitely something which, you know, if you are an investor of TSMC, it's something mm. which you definitely want to pay attention to because the things which TSMC, on one hand, you know, their home ground is in greater China, but on the other hand, they sell all over the world. Yeah. And you can see, you know, the conflict between US and China right now. So it comes to the domain. Uh. Yeah, it is yeah. It is a very unique situation, Max. I always think, yeah. you know, what happens if really a full-blown war yeah. uh, comes out. There are a lot of black swan possibilities down here, right? Correct. Yeah. Or what if US and China really decides to say, you know, I'm not going to sell stuff to you, you are not going to sell stuff to me, which is what's happening right now, right? You can see US is actually stopping China from importing or buying technology, mm. cheap technology from the US. That's why, you know, you have um, other stocks like NVIDIA, AMD, they're yeah. all down because NVIDIA also sells their own uh, products, you know, their own chips to China and what you're seeing now is that there's a cut between China and US itself. And TSMC, you know, falls right in the middle of this whole conflict. Okay. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot because I have a question that I love, but please feel free to just uh, share how much, as much as you can. Like, what is like maybe one or two black swans that you foresee for TSMC as in negative black swans that mm. could happen due to them being at the center of all this geopolitical tension? I think one big risk is when China really physically decides to just okay. say, no, TSMC, you are not allowed to actually sell things overseas okay and that's so what's going to strong kill. arm it and, yeah so they're okay. just, they just going to strong arm it but I think China is smart enough not to actually play that game because they mm. know that at the end of the day no matter what the US government decides to do no, no matter what the Biden administration decides to do China sort of have that knowledge that Taiwan because they physically geographically Taiwan is still part of China they know that at any time, you know, they can just take TSMC under their arms right yeah, yeah. and like just what they did you know in history so I don't think that would happen if they do I, I mean it could cause a huge crisis but at this point I don't think so and largely because in today's world right everything is so economically interrelated mm. right you can say that I'm not going to sell you chips here but don't forget that China also needs chip technology in the US right if they decide to say I'm going to stop production for TSMC think about what's going to happen to the sale of your Apple phones your Samsung phones which are going to be sold in China and think about the technology which China can potentially get in the US, you know, I'm not just talking about nano chips, right? We are also talking about other parts of the value chain which we have mentioned. Okay. And all this, US is still the leading edge of technology in some of this semiconductor space and China needs that as well. Okay, fantastic. I love it. So based off this, let's go a little bit into the economic modes of TSMC. So um, what kind of modes does TSMC have? So of course, I think one of the very obvious ones we have already mentioned is really just the innovation due to the structural DNA of the company. And the, any other advantages, competitive um, alpha edge that they have over the competition be other than this? Yeah, I think really what lies behind their monopoly here, I mean, it's not just about the technology, but... It's also the willingness and the ability to just focus on just one thing. I think that's something which a lot of companies, they tend to struggle with. I mean, you're an investor yourself, Max. Um, you have seen a lot of companies, you know, they try to focus on one product, but sometimes, you know, they just can't compete with other people. Yeah. TSMC have the edge of 
they can focus on just one product, they can do it really, really well, no one else can actually touch them. And I think that's really a huge edge. That's something where you don't really get to see very often. Really, the byproduct of that mm. is the ability to produce, you know, what I call capital efficiency, right? You put in $1 and you can generate, you know, tons and tons of dollars in the future. Mm. Very few companies can do it. TSMC is just one of them being able to actually use this power of one, the one thing which they do and they do it really, really well. So I think that's a competitive advantage in itself. But this one thing can also bite them, right? This one thing, because of course, that one thing is serving them well right now, but you could also bite them in the butt when that one thing no longer works, right? Because uh, everything is down to that one thing. Yeah. So what is the, in your opinion, I'm sure you've considered that. So how, how will you talk about this in, in this case, if it's just one thing stops working? Yeah, I mean, if you think it, if I put my investors thinking cap right now, yeah. right, and if I own a portfolio, I wouldn't put all my money into TSMC, okay. of course. But of course, I will always diversify it in a basket of stocks. And that sort of helps to hedge out or protect my downside. If let's say like what you said, a black swan comes in okay. or let's say the power of one doesn't work okay. anymore. So you're, you're talking about it from a more investor allocation point of view than what I get. But from a company point of view, are they doing anything in this case like to move beyond that foundry level? Or is this it's really just too hardcore, just foundry level? I think there's also a struggle with all business owners because okay. you know as business owners, you also, you also want to ask yourself like, hey, okay. should I continue to actually double down on yeah. what I'm doing? Because I'm doing very well. Yeah. Are, are they moving beyond their supply? role in the supply chain? No. no. So based on the latest quarter results uh, which they talk about I think they are still going to focus on making very very granular sized chips mm. going from 2 nanometer maybe even smaller than that I think what they are sort of struggling right now or the problem which they have for TSMC is really like the whole macro point, you know, like the whole macro environment. You know, we're talking about supply chain and oversupply of chips, yes. for example. I think that's something which they are also concerned because if you see this month, a lot of tech companies, a lot of the semiconductor companies, when they release results, a lot of them, they have that fear that people are just not buying um, electronic products due to their recessionary fears. And don't forget, Max, semiconductor is a very cyclical industry. Okay. So let us not forget about that. Fair enough. Yeah, because that's something which is inherent in the industry itself. And I think that's what TSMC struggles with. So I don't think they are purposefully trying to diversify away. I think what they're trying to do is try to manage whether they can actually meet with the demands, you know, which happened during the pandemic and also be able to overcome, you know, the potential huge oversupply issue which they might face or many chip makers might face, you know, okay. in the future. Okay, understood. So based off these concerns that you just mentioned, I want to go into a topic which I'm sure then uh, the listeners will naturally then ask. Uh, valuation, <laughs> All right. So obviously I know it's, it's not possible to just do valuation like this I love off, that, off the cuff, but do you have some rough numbers back of the napkin? Is it possible to walk mm. us through a little bit of uh, how do you value TSMC given that it's fallen close to 40% from the highs, right? 100-ish to now about 60-ish if I'm not wrong. Is it 60, 70 yep. you were mentioning just now? Yep. So yeah, how, how, how does one value TSMC? Okay. Yeah. So you can look at it from two different angles, right? Um, one can look at it from a dividend stock point of view. So a dividend mm. stock point of view meaning I look at it from a dividend yield and I see historically how high or how low the dividend has traded. Okay. So that's one way to look at it. Right now, TSMC, you know, it's at its sort of historically high dividend use, close to about 3 plus to 4%. Because of the drop in the price, right? Exactly. So, so, so my users way. to kind of recap, sorry, the, the dividend yield is basically the amount of dividends they pay divide by the stock price because the stock price is what you would buy the stock for. So the higher the dividend yield, generally it means that the stock price has came down. Is, is that how they see it? Yes. So it's now at a historical high dividend yield based on its average. Mm. Okay, so if based of this valuation... Uh, simple shortcut methodology it is considered I, I don't want to give any 
hints here whatsoever, <laughs> but it's above its average dividend yield. Yep. Okay, yep. understood. So okay. that's one way to look at it. Another way is, of course, to look at it from a multiple standpoint. Multiple meaning you look at it from, say, a PE, yeah, PE. or price to earnings or price to book. Okay. Uh, PE is one way to look at it. And right now, I think it sits at, you know, close to about 10 to 13 times um, price to earnings. Okay. Uh, historically, for many of these semiconductor players, you know, they tend to trade much higher. Um, I think maybe about close to 20. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, that. So the historic uh, multiple for this semicon industry is about 15 to 20, or mm. is it? Yep, so it's about 15 to 20 times. Uh, again, you know, it really depends on where the cycle is, but on average, you know, if you smooth out all the cycles over the past 15 to 20 years, mm. I think 15 to 20 times is just, you know, where I think the average is. And where the share price is trading now, I think it's healthy discount from... You know, where so right now it's about trade. 10 to 13 you were mentioning. 10 to 13, okay. um, that's based on past 12 months of their profits. Okay. But if you're expecting their profits to grow, um, you know, this PE is right now roughly about 10 times, which is really, really cheap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Really, really cheap. Really, okay. really cheap. Disclaimer, this is not financial advice. Everything is purely for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So can you share like the peers that you're using when you say the historically is 15 to 20? Who are the peers or the companies that you're using for this multiple? Mm. Yeah. So I use uh, Intel, Samsung, um, Saudi Semiconductor, but... Of but course, some of these, their product lines are not that clean cut, right? Like mm. you mentioned. Yeah. So, like what you pointed out for TSMC, because they are pure play versus, yeah. you know, you have, uh, for, say for example, Intel, Samsung, they also have other business segments. Yes. So, it might not be the best comparison. Mm. So, price to earnings might not, you know, reflect that full accuracy of how you value that company. But I guess, you know, in the whole semiconductor space, sometimes it's good to actually know where you stand in terms of all these businesses, Right. I might not get a full picture, but at least I know that TSMC, in its own uh, regards, you know, they, they, they are considered cheap. Of course, if you don't sort of buy that valuation idea, another way is to actually calculate how much cash flow, how much money or profits mm. TSMC could potentially produce over the next 15 and 20 years. And then you just discount it back yeah. to the today's present. value. And okay. you can see that you know, TSMC, again, they are valued way more than what the share price is trading right now okay got it uh okay last question so now i think to kind of recap we know that tsmc based on its historical dividend yield is at its highest based on our above average and based on its pe historical yield is also below average of the 15 20 times multiple so question is why should someone not own tsmc i think number one is like um i've mentioned it's the whole industry i think right now it's actually struggling to meet their revenue targets and their profit target because there is actually an oversupply issue here. Mm. You know, people are sort of cutting back on buying electronic devices. So that could be the risk which people might not like and they might not feel comfortable because semiconductor industry, again, you know, it's a very cyclical industry and people don't generally like uh, this kind of huge ups and downs in an industry cycle. So, you know, they might not feel comfortable owning TSMC, which is fine, right? Mm. Uh, some people can't take the cycle, but if you are interested and if you think that I can do okay and I'm comfortable sitting in this cycle, this ups, ups and downs, then I think this is one interesting stock to actually watch out. So you must be used to the cyclical nature of it and number two, also the geopolitical tensions and volatility that comes inherent with this domain because yeah. of TSMC yeah. controlling pretty much the whole world's supply chain of chips. And I'll tell you something, Max. The thing about investing in like stocks like TSMC, right, is because their shares are usually affected by geopolitical tensions, yes. 
and it has sometimes there's absolutely nothing to do with the fundamentals. Yes. Um, it makes it even more interesting because mm, if we are okay. bottom-up investors, okay, we tend tend to pay attention to the business itself. Yeah. Right? So it's a buying opportunity based yeah. on that. Yeah. And if you think about it again, if we are not investors but business owners, you know, every day you walk in, say, into an Apple shop, people are always queuing up for all these devices. Mm. People still need all this, mm. and you know, in terms of the whole idea of technology revolution. More and more people are going to be using their smartphones, mobile devices, and all these, again, you know, boils back down to the need for making very, very small chips. Okay. So what you're saying is also is the circular trend is still going to be trending and it's still a trend that's structurally and it's not just temporary. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. So yes, uh, Willie, thank you so much for sharing your thank thoughts you, on TSMC. You've been amazing. Uh, anywhere else that the viewers can find you to understand more about your work or the in-depth research that you do? Yeah. So if you're interested in investing, you can always find me on my blog at dividendtitan.com. So I write plenty of articles there. You know, you can join my newsletter. It's free. So it's dividendtitan.com and yep. Okay. That's it. Thank you very much, Willie. And of course, thank you, Kunat, uh, for uh, tuning into this episode of TSMC. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Max. 